My name is Samuel. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we um, are finally, we're at the end, Aaron. It feels like it's been a, a long journey here. But a great journey. A great journey. On par with like watching through all three Lord of the Rings extended editions, I think. No, finishing the Chronicles of Narnia books. I think that's nope. what you meant to say. <laughs> okay, I can see that. I can accept that as well. Um, so this is Fearful Symmetry by D.A. Fourth installment. The fourth installment of the Alarma Chronicles. It sure is. Um, and so I actually did a little research. This was actually released prior after uh terry taylor's solo album so we'll have to talk about that one next so we have full context for this but this fourth alarm of chronicles has um a five person lineup for da um, as they were going they were actually known as da all the way through what's that it's a, this one the next one and then what's the third one after darn floor i can't remember. uh darn floor it's the one with the really the- weird title it's not Bible Land, is it? Songs no, it's Stop before Hearts. Bible Land. It's like a, a, a Changa, or I can't remember off the top of my head. I can't either. I promise, guys, we do like this band. <laughs> <laughs> um, not not motorcycle. No, it's no. um. Cool. Oh, Calhoun, 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 Calhoun. Yeah, that one. Sorry. Which I love. <laughs> they uh, but they went by Da for yeah. this album. Darn Floor and Calhoun, which I don't know. Aesthetics, cool. Um, they had Tim Chandler on bass, Greg Flesher on guitar, Jerry Chamberlain was actually a special guest as the narrator on Instruction Through Film on this album, which ha- always happy to see a Jerry pop in. Yeah, Edmund yeah. Taggart on drums, Terry Taylor, of course, on guitars and vocals, and Rob Watson on keyboards. So, really, this is the Daniel Amos lineup for a large majority of the rest of their career. Or wouldn't you agree? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, this is this is when they pretty much settle into who they're going to be for a while. Yep. And then on some songs, we even have Crystal Lewis on background vocals. Um, she would go on to become a, a CCM star in her own right down the road. So it's kind of cool to see some of her early stuff here. Have some notes about that as well. Huge Crystal Lewis fan. Oh, good to know. All right, so Aaron, kick us off. Um, we know you, uh, you of course, started with uh, Beekner's Dream. You went back through. What is your connection to this album specifically? So just generally, and I'll drill down on it more specifically as we go through. Clearly, it's the last of the Alarma Chronicles. So um, I mentioned, yes, um, I originally got the box set. Um, of the Lorma Chronicles and experienced the whole, all these four albums together as a whole. So I didn't have to wait and whatever. So I, I really, I think I got over the summer too, like school. I was, no, I was like twenties in my twenties, but so it was always summer I remember. And so I like really got to devour these albums. So all these four albums really kind of like blend in together to me. Um, as they were designed to be, obviously. So, um, Mission Accomplished, Terry and the Voice. And so, with the box set, those, all those albums really um, combined to me. But when I think of Fear, Fearful Symmetry, it's the last, it's the musically and lyrically, it's the most straightforward album of the four. 
um, which and, and I'll talk about, and I'm glad that is because um, because what it's supposed to do with the story, um, it lends itself to be that way. So um, I've listened to this as much as I listened to the other three Alarm or Chronicle albums because I experienced them pretty much the same time. Um, how about you, Sam? So for me, I, uh, I of course, you know, kind of went through um, Daniel Amos's history. And this album just stood out to me because of the cover art. I'll be honest, that cover art, just the cover art and the title, to me, just hit a chord. We'll talk about my, that, too. I agree. But go. Um, the, the cover art and the title hit a chord with my emo loving 17 18 year old heart and um it just looked so cool and so i was drawn to it i probably out of the four i have probably listened to this one the most but that's not like i haven't like listened to it a lot lot just every once in a while I'd pop it up on spotify or apple music whatever so um of the four this is probably the one i'm most connected to but that doesn't mean i like I have like a lot of baggage with it or anything. It just simply means it's the one that I was drawn to the most when I first started getting into this band. Okay. Well, um, that's interesting because of the Lama Chronicle, uh, all the, of all the Lama Chronicle albums, this is the one I listen to the least, not because I don't like it, but I don't know, just for some reason it, it just is. I mean, um, and I'm with you. Um, I guess since you mentioned it, I guess I'll just go into, um, my 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 views of the cover art. Um, obviously, as the cover, you all know it's the and you, I think you pointed out um, a, a show or two ago that um, the Alarm Chronicles is band photo, not band photo, band photo, not band photo. This is a non-band photo um, cover. It has since a guy holding his head in clear agony and fearful symmetry, which at this point. I discovered William Blake in 11th grade, thanks to my wonderful high school teacher, Miss Langford. So I was very aware of where that title came from. And um, from the poem, The Tiger by William Blake, it really, just from that title for me, when I saw it, it really struck a chord me as well, Sam, because I understand the subject matter of that. And and as we get into the songs, it fits it perfectly. To me though, the back cover of the record, um, has even more meaning because you know in the back there's like a church it's this a shot of like a, a church um window with a river that is edited to look like it's flowing into the church and the church is flowing into the river what a great metaphor because you know the church is supposed to be a river of life and the church is a living body you know all that stuff and then the whole thing about how god uses nature to reveal himself so and Jesus himself called himself the river of life. So having the river flowing to the church and the church flowing to the river. And that's a perfect contrast from when we started it, uh, the first um, our, our album, Alarma, where in the inside of the album, you obviously have people going in the church, ignoring suffering of, you know, starving people. And on this album, the end, the back, the very literally the end of this whole chronicles, you see the resolution of how, the narrator, the protagonist, whatever, finally gets in the place where he needs to be in the river of life and Christ, you know, what's really important. So I, I thought that was equally as powerful too. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the themes of this album, but I really like that um, this album focuses so much on the afterlife. Um, yeah. 
It's yeah. one of those things that Christianity, for whatever reason, seems terrified to talk about, and there's really no reason for it. Um, and yeah, we're we're just gonna talk a lot about. It. So, let, dude, let's just go ahead and dive in. Um, I think that's all we really need to know about the background of this album, the band, the album cover art. So what I'll do is I'll kick off here and then you can tell me how wrong I am or how right I am, whatever. I'm not Terry. I won't do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's his job. That is his official job here. But all right. (laughs) So we're going to start with a sigh for you. Um, And it just starts off with this like lovely synth organ kind of deal. And it's fitting for such a poetic sounding song. And then it jumps straight into like this new wave kind of beat, like a flock of seagulls type deal almost. I don't know. Maybe that's the wrong band, but a new wave band. Pick, take your pick. And um, you just get this super poetic song. And the main thing I'm gathering is despair over our fallen nature and a hope for heaven and redemption through Jesus. Which, um, it, it compare this to the other opening tracks, particularly this album reminds me a lot of Doppelganger. And that album was so much about despair, especially that opening track, about despair over not being true to who we are and despair over um, how we're failing at life. So I like that we're taking the focus off of our failures and instead focusing on potential redemption. Um, so with all that said, the music is oddly happy sounding. Um, some of the synthesizers resemble an accordion even. And we also have a, probably the most mellow song that we've opened with yet. This one, our album is super mellow, but this song in particular is just like, I don't know if it's bedtime worthy, but it's, it definitely has like lullaby qualities about it as do most of these songs. So that's a sigh for you, Aaron. What do you got? Okay, um, on the um, inside the record, um, there's like three um, quotes. There's one from William Blake, the quote from Tiger Tiger. Then there's a Bible verse, and then there's also this um, line from um, um, that's in there that says, "God molds history to His purposes, revealing in it the fearful symmetry." which is his language in conversing with men. And it's, and, and I think that that's the, one of the main themes of this and Darn Forbuck by and pretty much a lot of D- Daniel Amos and Terry's um, individual stuff. It's like the fearful symmetry of man trying to understand God um, and how he reveals that there is a feel for symmetry because he has the answers. We're flawed and just, having that health healthy reverence for something so powerful a consuming fire as you described and because of that it's just makes conversation just very hard in understanding to understand who he is and you know and that's what you know aside for you um means to me you know um the um to me the song is about the protagonist who just survived the theological the, the technological hellscape in the previous three installments of the Larma Chronicle. He is here longing to be freed from this mortal coil so he can rest in the sweet afterlife. 
Um, and like you said, it's a nice, gentle lullaby song. It's a nice, gentle in introduction to this album, which you mentioned talks a lot about the afterlife. Um, and, and I agree that opening flute or whatever that wind, woodwind sound or maybe instrument is, it just lets you know that here again, Daniel Amos is switching up. The intro um, feels like you're about to get a 10 minute prog rock jam, but instead you just get a straight up rock jam. Um, this is DA, unadorned by New Age, synth pop, etc. Um, although there's still some New Age electronical influences on the song, it's a straight up rock, you know, jam. Um, well, I wouldn't say jam, but a jam, a rock number, rock lullaby, I guess you could say. Um, and you can just hear, you know, in the lyrics, the protagonist hears he's not going to be free, and you know, it's a you know, it's a nice gentle push into hey here's here's the new album at the two minute 33 mark that breakdown is heavenly that whiplash sound we hear at 327 and it's um happens throughout the song too it's reminiscent of the signature um sound that the producer danger mouse today uses with such contemporary artists with their the pepper so it's like I've heard when I hear that sound I'm like I've heard that before like oh yeah and yeah, danger mouse is totally using that sound um today and like everything's producing so again terry and the boys being ahead of the you know the curve here this is my seventh favorite song in the album and three stars all right so tell me your thoughts on the pool it's my sixth favorite song so seven six also three songs um it's um and 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 aside for you um the protagonist is inconsolable but here he's he's longing um i'm sorry in the previous song he's longing for peace in this song he gets it it sounds like and um the language is used in this song it clearly points to the songs about baptism and feeling how baptism renews you with the power of the holy spirit the sign the wanting you know and um here he you know he goes down and then he rises up so you know he's been renewed um with this conversion um musically this is top shelf 80s rock um at this point prince madonna michael jackson not taking over the musical landscape of america and, and da were still able to create their own rock pop aesthetic that sounded fresh for that time the song's a jam i mean I can whenever this song gets you know comes, I can dance to it. You know, it's, it has a nice beat to it. I enjoy it. What do you think? So, um, I think this song does sound very eighties. I don't think mm -hmm. it. Um, I know like you and Terry both think that everything on this air of DA sounds like super fresh and inventive. And I'm not saying it's not. You know, I have no doubt they have a lot of heart and soul into this, and a lot of creative original work. But it does sound like a product of its time to me, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Um, it, I like that this uh, – well, I don't know if I like, but it, it's interesting. It starts with a spoken word and then it goes into this guitar-driven verses, which it's nice to hear some guitar on here after the previous song didn't really have a whole lot. And a lot of the other songs don't have a lot of guitar. So yeah. it's really nice to hear it here. Um, once again, super heavy poetry. Um and focusing, like you said, on what would appear to be baptism, 
um, pretty straightforward if you're into any kind of Christianity that focuses on baptism. And what I really appreciate here, it doesn't focus on um, the logistics necessarily of baptism or, you know, the right or wrong of it. Um, what it does is it focuses on the experience of the baptized. And I think, um, you know, if more um, if more people of Christian belief could just focus on this is how my life has been changed. This is how I feel now. This is what's different about me. That's a far more powerful thing than telling people that they're wrong or telling people they have to do this. Um, I think that's, you know, one of the things that made up. Uh, Agreed. Yeah, that's one of the things that made, you know, the Apostle Paul so powerful is his testimony more than anything else. So I appreciate this song really focuses on just, you know, this is what this has done for my life. Um, You know, I'm baptized. I I feel renewed with God. um, I'm closer, etc. And the course, once again, sounds straight up new wave to me. I don't think that's bad, though. I like new wave. But it definitely sounds like a product of its time. And I think this song in particular may be where they really capture – there's a couple other songs on here. But this is one of the songs where they capture um, that sound and what they're capable of pulling off with their budget. Um, this album – and I'm going to talk about this more as we go on. This album reminds me a lot of Starflyer 59 in the fact that – um, they're they're what they're trying to do is like way up in the balcony and what their budget allows them to do is quite a bit lower. Um, and we'll talk about that as we get into some other songs, but this song doesn't have that problem. They're, they're utilizing their full budget, what their band is capable of. It sounds great. All right. I, I hear you and I agree with all that. Um, um, next up is Sleep Silent Child. You want that one, Sam, or you want me to go first? Sure, I'll do this one. Um, I'll, okay. I'll straight up say uh, this is one of my favorite tracks. Um, it's nice. one of my top three for this album. Okay. Um, I don't know if I would have immediately gotten this song if I hadn't done a little bit of research first, right? Because um, it's it's very odd. It's almost creepy. Once again, I hear that kind of Elfman influence which um, it's it's a debatable, you know, who was influencing who, right? Um, Was Terry just really influenced by Danny Elfman and Oingo Boingo, or was he just that had the exact same mindset and they both independently had that sound? Yeah. Um, But with a little research, um, the song is about the death of a child, um, specifically through miscarriage, you know, which is a very sad event for anyone. And once again, we have the focus on the afterlife um, and all the beauty the child would see. And uh, one of the things in my research, like Genius Lyrics pointed out, and I really loved, was it talks about the weight of glory and how this child, or really anyone for that matter, could not handle the weight of heaven if they were alive. It's only in death that we have the strength to handle the weight of heaven. Yeah. And gosh that just gets me like that is um to know 
this isn't it to know we're not perfect as is, but there's always more that to me is super helpful. Hopeful, honestly, um, the music is super trippy. It's dark variation on a lullaby. Um, it seems very fitting that it's like a dark lullaby. And I just, I love this kind of trippy, um, spacey sound with the keyboard taken front and center and really sounding like, uh, I don't know, just taking the lead. I love it. It's, I don't know if this song would work as good with just a guitar, honestly. Agreed. So, that's my thoughts on the song. Aaron, what do you got? The ominous music and the haunting vocals at the beginning of the song create a glacial landscape that feels like all the aborted, forgotten, and mistreated children in the history of mankind have finally found a resting place. And I love it. The ghostly vocals continue throughout the song that pushes this song into a creepy horror territory. Um, Terry's vocals are like Robert Stack's vocal voice, voice on Unsolved Mysteries is so creepy. But given the subject matter that we're talking about, I mean, it makes sense because any parent or person who's lost somebody loved close to them or a child, um, it's, it's horrific. Um, you just, I mean, whether this is stillbirth or, you know, whatever. Um, and Sam, you referenced, you know, the um, origin of the song about a miscarriage that Terry had. So it makes sense. Um, lyrically, the song's about, you know, um, you know, the death of a child, which will, that, that um, theme comes up. And Terry's um, first solo album, like you mentioned, came before this album and will show up many times throughout <laughs> his writing career. Um, and what should have been a very depressing subject matter, Terry uses his lyrics to make into a hopeful um, song because when you're talking about something like this, the, most people would argue, would argue is the worst thing you can deal with. But he gives us hope in the song. Um, the last verse, um, sleep silent child still away and starry feels you wonder there another bright, bright heart in God's embrace because at the end of the day, we're all going to die no matter who you are. And so just thinking about what has transpired before in the alarm chronicles, the disillusionment, the disillusionment, the disconnected from, um, from society, the corruption of the, the Christian faith, all this stuff at the end of the day. We're all, if we're true believers, we're going to end up in God's embrace. And so they did the impossible of turning a, you know, super depressing subject into something very positive. Four stars, my second favorite song on this album. All right. Tell me what you think of the, maybe the first, I don't know if goofy is the right word, but a bit more lighthearted almost. Uh song on this album one of the few honestly on this album neverland ballroom well you say lighthearted. i mean i guess the lyrically i mean musically sure but not <laughs> uh, but definitely not lyrically yes uh, like the music is a little bit light to a degree so we're talking about neverland ballroom um my ninth favorite song two and a half stars on this album um, not a few, not a huge fan of this, but I love that DA were totally um, comfortable with making weird oddball music. One of the main reasons why I love this band so much. This has a strong new wave reggae rock feel to it. 
the breakdown in the man 42 is really good vibe wise it reminds me of the soundtracks um the the sound garden song spoon man doing that percussion breakdown of that song it just really makes me think of that um lyrically terry's talking about how when you give into hedonism the flesh selfishness selfish desires etc in order to escape from the harsh realities of life you will live a half dead half living zombie existence that ultimately ends in death i love how terry uses words like hot and heat when he describes the party goers it's it's um existence in this song because that misplaced passion and faith um when it's put in something that only leads to death and coldness it's kind of like a grotesque thing to see and so in this song i just picture myself i mean not myself i just picture people in modern day life like you know you see like on tv or movies where they're just like living by that party life about drinking and partying casual sets casual relationships no death and the next thing you know you're like your 40s 50s 60s and like you've you know you're alone haven't accomplished anything because you're just like focusing on the things of the flesh or supernatural uh, superficial things instead of the supernatural things and you realize you're the neverland ballroom and it's too late and it's kind of a bummer song lyrically but that's life sometimes <laughs> what do you think sam so i think this song is a bit more familiar um, because I feel like there's a song in almost every Alarm and Chronicle attacking hedonism in some way. You're um, right. There are. <laughs> so the afterlife is still somewhat of the theme, though, um, with the patrons of the Neverland Ballroom seemingly dancing for all eternity in a lust for pleasure. And I can just see this in like a fictional universe as like their own custom made hell, right? This is all they wanted to do all their life. This is all you're going to get to do for all eternity. Trying to find pleasure and never being fulfilled. It, um, reminds, me, it reminds me of the, the Key and Peele sketch. I don't know if you're familiar with Key and Peele. But they did this um, um, comedy sketch about like how like people, like all the, in these party songs, like, they talk about partying all night. The party doesn't stop. And then they like like did it like a live sketch like what that would actually look like if you like literally like just danced and did drink and did drugs and led this hedonist lifestyle like 24 7 and like the two characters in it they're trying to escape they try to they they try, they try to kill themselves in so many ways but they end up being back in this party that doesn't end and like when i listen to this song about the neverland ballroom i i i think of that sketch because yeah it's just like a non-stop i need in hell because yeah you want to do this pleasure is only good when in moderation and like the Bible says moderation all things has gotten it so if you're just so hedonistic all the time you're going to get caught in a situation where even while you're alive you're just caught in this living hell because you just get caught in this um pleasure loop where you're just on the surface level never experiencing life and then you get to the horror of the end of your life um which has been mentioned multiple times in this 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 chronicle set these four albums where you get to the end of the horror of your life you realize I've wasted all this, and this song is that. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I find it interesting. There's another 80s reference here, to me at least. I mean, there's obviously like, you know, Neverland, uh, Peter Pan. There's, um, I think it was Shring for Lay, which was like a mythical um, paradise land. But 
with lyrics and music remind me of <laughs> they give me labyrinth vibes uh, the movie starring david bowie My name yeah. Is Samuel. yeah um so like i in that movie the whole entire movie is about this girl um kind of coming of age but she gets stuck in a labyrinth with david bowie and he's yeah. like trying to seduce her and get her to stay there with him and never leave and and i find it funny like terry even sings a little like david bowie in this track oh. and i don't know if bowie had an influence on this song but i can kind of see it so yeah, i agree with that um, yeah, I just found that kind of like a, a random, odd connection that may or may not have been on purpose. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? That's a good. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. All right, so I'm gonna flip my page here. Um, we're gonna go ahead, and I will lead this one off. This is an important song, Sam. This this is this is uh hey, this is our namesake, man. Yeah. Um here we have strong points, weak points. Um and I I think it's worth noting, um once again, I did research on these like surface level, you know, just little web research. This song pulls from the same poem as She's All Heart from the previous album, which was, I believe, one of my more favorite songs. Um, the al- the poem is Chesla Milos. I may be saying that wrong. Close enough. Um, the, well, the, that's who the poem is by. It's Cheslo Milos Notes is the is the is the poem. And the lyrics seem to revolve around the idea of finding your faith for yourself. Um, like not just taking someone's word for it, but actually going in and seeing what your faith says about you, what it says about everything around you. And this personally really resonated with me because I live by the philosophy of if what you believe can't survive scrutiny or deconstruction, is it even worth believing in the first place? Um, and so many people, especially, and I think, I, I don't. When I was growing up, I was not necessarily discouraged from asking questions, but if it was questions people didn't have answers for, they were just like, "Well, that's just not correct," and then not give me any kind of other answer. And I think that's just kind of where we're at, where a lot of people grow up um, either not being able to ask hard questions or not having their hard questions answered. And so you kind of get to a point where you're like, well, if my questions can't be answered, screw this. And you have to come to a point where you can deconstruct your faith and then reconstruct it. Do that research for yourself. Find the strong points. Find the weak points. Um, And I think these are just a lot of cool ideas to play with in a song. Um, Sadly, I don't think the music plays into the questions I the music sounds like playful, almost jokey at times. I don't know why. I don't know quite what they're going for here. Um, I think they're just trying to keep the music a little bit upbeat because if it's all slow, it may not may put people to sleep. But this album, I almost wish was a completely slow album. Almost. I just wish it was all slow songs because the music does not hit the lyrics for me. 
but that's just my two cents. Aaron, what do you got? Okay, so yeah, first off the um, point, yes, our podcast name, we're making some a lot of strong points. Not not too many weak points so far on this album, for, I think. Um, I'm with you. Um, it's a good song. Um, punchy, upbeat, drum beat really sucks you in at the beginning. And then the horns, bells, guitars, and everything else envelops you. I really enjoy how the different effects on Terry's vocals really add to the effectiveness of the songs, you know, because obviously there's some internal dialogue, which I'll talk about here in a second. So having the effects makes it feel like there's an actual conversation with two people or God and a person or the person with themselves, whatever. But you really, um, with those effects, you really feel like there's a conversation going on. Um, the percussion, um, um, it sounds like there's a wood block or a cowbell throughout, but I really think it makes the song pop. Um, the horns on this song, it might be Sims too. The do, 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 do. And I think that's what you're talking about that makes it sound more comical. Comical. I think it's like those horns or the, it might be horn Sims that gives it a, like a little of a, like a carnival yeah, flair to it. That's. What it honestly reminds me of is, and this is horrible because the the past was a mistake sometimes. Um, and a lot of older movies, whenever like someone of Asian descent is brought up or something yeah. of that nature is brought in, you kind of hear those very Asian sounding bells or tones, and that's what yeah. it kind of reminds me of. I didn't think about that, but I can hear that. But I kind of like them, and I think I think on um, what you're saying is what the band's going for, you know. Um, of course, because we didn't speak for them. <laughs> but yeah, I think they realized it was kind of slow and kind of heavy. So let's lighten it up a little bit. And I think it was needed. Um, and you're right. It's from the the first two lines are from the poem notes by Mr. Mishlos. Um, but um, those two lines at the beginning kind of summarize what the song's about. But it's also summarizing what this whole Alarmer Chronicles journey is about. Um, this whole... This in this song in the Mama Chronicles and um as the total work is about the journey of faith that we all go through, you know. Um we're resolute at times and sometimes we have doubts. There are strong points and weak points on each side of the heavy topics like the existence of God. How do we attain how do we obtain salvation? No, the deep things. There's strong points and weak points of both sides, but that dialogue that we have um within ourselves is what lands us where we land. And um, this song very accurately describes the inner struggle that we go through to so solidify our faith. You know, when you, Sam, you know, you're a Christian at the beginning, how the journey to where you are now, that's a process, you know, and there's like decisions, you had internal dialogues, you had doubt, you had all these things, you had strong points and weak points on all the things. And I think this song, like, kind of, um describes that struggle and to me this song you know it's all our stories you know all our fear all the fear we have the pain you know we have the contradictions in our life about living and dying are presented to us in the song and you know and at the end of the song he's no longer horrified by it um by the line where it goes um what was born in me is now a living thing his faith has finally been solidified his faith is real. Um, you know, 
that's that's all the strong points and weak points to this song for me. It's my fourth favorite song, three and a half stars. Fair enough. All right, tell me what you think. Um, this album also feels really short compared to the other Chronicles. Yeah, uh, it really does. <laughs> um, instruction through film. All right. Um, so we have another William Blake um, shout out here. Um, the the beginning um, verse are lines from the Chimney Sweeper um, poem by William Blake. Um, this song to me lyrically is very similar to Little Crosses um, because in the songs, Terry saying that putting your faith in conforming to social norms are about as just as effective as obtaining salvation by holding Little Crosses, as mentioned in Little Crosses. It's like you're looking for salvation through works. You know, um, it's, you know, there's not faith. It's not a conviction you're and it's not works that are handed down by god it's the works that someone else um, a, a human told you this is what you need to do to be saved um the intro spoken word to this to me it's a sarcasm um where um terry and again like i said it's a reworked lines from william blake's poem but good night tom sleep tight tom you know talk about if you know if he just believes and do these things, gotta be his father and all's good. You know, it feels like a rebuke, like, like, no, this is not how, how it actually is. Um, you have to work at this. Um, the baseline, this song is ridiculously good. It's infectious. Um, and then the little, the, the spoken word pieces by Jerry Chamberlain throughout our great touch. Um, once again, DA does an exceptional job of adding so many different sounds and ideas into a song. Each time you listen to it, you hear something new um, in the mix, but it never feels um, overblown or pretentious. This is hard to do, and lots of bands struggle with that. I'm looking at you, Mars Volta. They try a lot to be so inventive, but it comes off as being so pretentious because it's you got to be creative and humble it's like so hard to like do new and inventive things and still not come off as pretentious and da does it in this song and i think it's kind of trying to kind of feels like a joke song but it doesn't completely come over as a joke joke song um my eighth favorite song on this album three stars what do you think sam so i know i said earlier i wish all the songs on this album were slow however I would make an exception for this. Um, we're over halfway through the album and we get our first like super obvious satire song, which it's been as satire has been a staple of the Alarm and Chronicles. Every album has had something where they're poking fun or mocking an idea here. Um, and I stand by what I said in the doppelganger review. If you want to truly say something is stupid, um, say something is wrong, mock it. Don't give it dignity, but mock it instead. And this time what they're mocking is legalism. I appreciate that. I really do. Um, that, And I appreciate that this still ties into the afterlife themes. Um, saying legalism is not what's getting you into heaven. Um, like, sorry, boys. And I just, I don't know. It just, it works really well for me. And that William Blake poem it pulls through from is... Ooh, it's like uh, super depressing. 
So it's funny if they take a super depressing poem and like turn it into a something mocking legalism. And I feel like the jokey tone, the upbeat new wave, it works to the advantage of this song because when it's just giving all this, it's giving all this instruction through film air quotations, um, which just sound like those 50, um, those fifties instructional videos, which everyone makes fun of nowadays anyways. So they were like 20 years ahead of that curve. Um, it is, you can't take any of it seriously and you know, Hey, maybe that is a dumb idea. Just trying to legal my way into heaven. <laughs> so, but it is, it makes, it makes it more depressing though, because it, that's been going on since the beginning, the legalism of this, you know, like in the New Testament circumcision, you know, you know, doing, you know, even today tithing, like the superficial stuff, it's been there from the start in Christianity and hasn't changed really. And that's super depressing because it, it just hasn't changed. The legalism is probably as strong as it or not more, if not more than in Jesus's time. I think it depends on the people. Um, I think what you run into a lot and I'm not going to get too deep into it. Um, what, where do you draw the line between saying, Hey, this is the right thing to do. I'm just trying to give you good instruction. And if you don't do this, you're lost forever. Right. Um, it's a, it's a very fine line to draw. And obviously not everyone is so pure intentions. And, um, there are people who just want to, uh, control other people or get their money or that's nothing new since the beginning of time. Right. So just like all good things, it can be misused. Um, But that's what the song's about. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Those horrible people. (laughs) All right. So now the fun is done. Well, no. Okay. I will, I will strike it. There's one other upbeat song, but Mm -hmm. let's move into um, the next song here. And when moonlight sleeps on the frosted hill and um, the, this title alone just like gets me. I'm like, yes, this, I don't know. Just looking at this title, it just makes me happy. Um, it's just Some that kind of, huh? It's a joy electric song. Really? This song is a joy electric song. You're not wrong. <laughs> like Ronnie Martin listened to this and said, Hey, I'm going to make a career of this song. Especially the title. (laughs) (laughs) The title, how it's played on the synthesizer, even the way Terry sings in the song is kind of Ronnie-like. It is. (laughs) So we get a super poetic worship song that also talks of God as a lover, um, which I know kind of creeps some people out. You know, I've heard people um, who weren't raised in church or aren't connected to Christianity be like, ew, why, why would you ever want to talk like that? Um, you know, it comes down to a, a, a deeply personal relationship deal, which you kind of have to be there to understand it, I think. But the imagery is beautiful. Um, I see you love come dance in the misty veil. Um, oh, that's just, that's a good line. It's, it's very, uh, Songs of Solomon S, which I believe Songs of Solomon in the Bible is talking about actual humans and not necessarily just God and man, but you know, there are parallels there. And the music, this this, this is your favorite song in this album, isn't it, Sam? No, there are other songs, okay. Um, okay, 
the music here's where the song fails a little fall flat for me okay. it tries its best the music tries its best to convey a sense of mystery and wonder and how i feel like for this song to pull off the ground um the grand slam it's looking for because this song is trying with all its might to pull off this epic poetic um sense of mystery and wonder and you need a full orchestra and two thousand more dollars worth of production and the band just doesn't have that they're kind of run this is where i said they this remind me of starflyer pretty nice specifically my favorite starflyer album um leave here stranger which terry produced and i feel like he took the lessons he learned in this album and applied them to that production 15 years later because where this album sounds like they're stretching too far and it's not quite capturing it that album kind of took that lo-fi production and used it to its advantage and didn't try and push it beyond what it was capable of doing so this song is it's up there but it's not quite my top three it's probably number four though um i do enjoy it a lot the music just can't quite do what they're trying for aaron what do you got you're muted chief oh yeah okay so yeah um i agree with all that um that you just said i never thought about any of that before and I equally agree and disagree with all that. <laughs> You're right. I mean, as you were talking, I was thinking about if they had more money with the things they could have done to make it. And it still sounds pretty amazing to me because this is my third favorite song in this album, the fourth, uh, four stars. And you're right. They had a bigger budget, probably been a five star song. Crystal Lewis, man. Only The only thing... Besides having a bigger budget, like you said, Sam, would change is her if her vocals are pushed up more because they sound kind of thin or like light. And she has such a great voice. I mean, she's worked with people, the guys from the Prayer Chain, um, Gyro, um, Gyro and from um, Mortal. She's done stuff with so many indie artists. It's amazing. Um, so it's cool to see her here. Um, that whistling sound at the start of the song, I really adore. The Johnny Electric guitar and the brassy percussion throughout the song creating an amazing sonic tapestry. And of course, the outro where Terry and Crystal duet is amazing. Lyrically, I think this I uh, I think of this song like Sanctuary. Um, there has similar uh, from um, Batsumana, similar concepts of spending eternity with the beautiful one. Um, overall. Um, fearful symmetry has a hopeful vibe. It is dominated by messages of forgiveness and persevering in spite of pain of life, you know, the struggles of life, deceased children, corrupt and broken social systems, etc. Um, where the other three Alarmer um, albums, Lambest, this, this Phantasmagoric, Frankenstein of a Beast, that the church has created where they marry the sacred with the profane consumerism. Um, this album and this songs um, also focuses on the way 
that we can dismantle that beast. Authentic faith, tuning into the spiritual, the ineffable, the mystery of the faith, instead of the consumerism and the materialistic answers that are easy to, you know, questions of faith. But those questions generally leave us cold and dead, like Neverland Ballroom. And so this song is like, you know, you gotta you gotta push that the the suck of life and just realize that it's greater than you. It's not about you, you know. And I love it. It's a beautiful song. All right, tell me about. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this sudden heaven. You know my thoughts. My least favorite song in this album. Since favorite, which still, I mean, doesn't mean I hate it. They have to be ranked. It's not a terrible song, but it's two stars for me. Um, this sounds like a this feels like a swirling, swirling Eddie song to me. Um, I bet this is the song where Terry realized, you know what? I need to create swirling Eddie's to um, deal with songs that come to me like this. You know, like those eating songs on like the first Daniel Williams. I can't remember now. Gosh, something to eat or supper or something. All those silly songs. I think after this song, he's like, you know what? I need to create a, an offshoot to deal with these songs. The herky-jerky music of this song is welcome because it's different from everything else that came before sonically um, on this album. Um, yeah, so it, I mean, it definitely is a nice change up. The, um, it shakes up the monotony. Um, the lyrics talk about converting and giving your soul to God. Set in heaven, and this song is the moment where you understand you need salvation, realize that you need forgiveness. Um, the heavy breakdown followed by Terry's soaring vocals near the end is a nice conclusion to the song. Um, not much else to say about the song. It's a fine song. What do you think, Sam? This is my 10th favorite song as well. <laughs> it's just, it's, uh, <laughs> um, I said, awesome. what is up with this song? I feel like we time traveled back to their cowboy days. <laughs> but not really. But with accordions and stuff. It was, yeah, know. like their cowboy days with a bit more experience. Like this yeah. is what their first album would have sounded like if they remade it right during this time in their career. <laughs> I agree. Um, all the way up into that outro, which follows more in line with the rest of the album. Um, this song is short and easy. Um, the lyrics are fairly straightforward. It's a plea for heaven, right? It's a plea to rather it be salvation or, you know, physically going to heaven. It's just a plea for all this world just to stop so I can leave. Um, which I feel like, even though I don't love it as an individual track in this album, it works perfect as a lead in to these next two songs, I think. Yeah. So um, I wish this whole entire song could have just been the outro because I do like the outro. I just don't love the rest of the song. <laughs> I agree with that. I really do. All if right. Go oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say anything. Go ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to move on to the next song, honestly. All right. I'll lead it off. Shadowcatcher. Right. The best song in this album. This is number one for me, man. Four stars, a slow burn goodness. It sounds soft. Turn, 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 turn. You know you're getting a straight up banger. This is a this is a rock gem right here. This, this is heavy da, haunting ghost rock. Mm-hmm. I love the dark vibe of the music. 
um, I think this would work well. Like the 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 intro to a horror film where you're setting up the plot. Um, this song would be the perfect opening concert. You just, it's it's just because sometimes you want to start out. Sometimes you start off the concert with a slow song or a fast song. This song has a low, slow, chunky, slow but heavy burn, and it gets heavier throughout. Yeah, this would be perfect opening. Um, um, it's next level rock goodness. Um, I can listen to that intro on repeat. The breakdowns after the verses are dirty, grimy, awesomeness. The drum fills and percussion throughout the song are sublime. The guitars are effing amazing. I mean, the song's great. Um, to me, lyrically, though, this song's about a person journey. They're dying here on Earth, and they're making the spiritual trip to heaven. It captures the horror and joy that death presents to those who believe in Christ. Because, you know, if you truly believe that, you know, your salvation is secure in Christ. Um, and we, most of us don't, die, you know, die quick. You know, sometimes it's a slow grind, get an illness or something, or something happens to us and we just, and it's just, a, you know, catch cancer or whatever. And you know you're dying. But on the other side, for those who believe, there's that eternal rest. And to me, this song, this, because the shadows are what scare us, right? And God's the shadow catcher. So throughout the song, you know, you know, you're going through this process and shadows scare us or whatever, but he's there, he's got us. And so to me, this is somebody's journey to grapple and accept death, which is great uplifting subject matter, right? Sam, what do you think? <laughs> um, it's a toss up between this song and the next one, as which one's my favorite, honestly. Okay, okay, okay. Um uh, this is another super poetic song, which this one album is just pure poetry. That's just this album. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. this time we get a pilgrim of sorts, um yep. walking through this yep. world and ultimately turning yep. to God. Yep. Reminds me a lot of C.S. Lewis, where I mean, especially in his uh, screw tape letters, he talks about this world just being a pale shadow of heaven. You know, um, this isn't the real world. Heaven's the real world. Remember that. And yeah. so um, can we catch that shadow and realize that this is just a pale shadow of what's to come? Um, and I, I love that idea. It's something that um, has really resonated with me for many years now, and it's kind of cool to see it in song format. Um, and the music really plays to the band's strengths and budget. It's simple, almost dreamlike. Um, still like driving, like this is almost alternative rock. I guess it is technically alternative rock. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. And it's just it's just playing to the band's strengths here. And I'm really and I I love once again. I don't know what is up with this album, but titles. I really love this title. Um, this album probably has some of my favorite titles of any Daniel Amos albums up to this point. And Shadowcatcher is just a cool title. It just captures that idea of, I don't know if whimsical is quite quite the right word, but like fairy tale esque, but still epic sounding. And that's the song in a nutshell. I think fantastic in this pure form is what it would be. Yeah, I can see that. All right, let's wrap this out. 
And then I think when we're done with this, um, when we're wrapped up with this album, we should talk about the Alarm Chronicles in general and maybe what's our favorite Alarm Chronicle and stuff. We will. Um, so as is tradition with the Chronicles, we end on a worshipful song about God um, yeah. with a beautiful one. Honestly, this is probably my favorite closing track of all the Chronicles. Um, the music keeps the dreamlike quality going found throughout the rest of the album but it's almost folk-like and pastoral it honestly reminds me of early genesis um genesis like third and fourth albums kind of had this folky pastoral sound in some of the songs and i love it like oh, it just works and this is just a a lovely way to end this album of a worship song that doesn't sound cheesy in any way but just sounds sincere and um you're just pouring out your heart to god and saying you know this is the beautiful one this is you know what you have to look forward to if you choose this walk of life and um yeah i really love it. i think shadow catcher is probably my, my favorite but this beautiful this one is um probably my third favorite of this album wow very rare, but we both agree on the, the favorite song, Shadowcatcher. Also, cool, cool, cool. Um, this, to me, is my fifth favorite song in this album, Three Stars. Um, Dan, um, Dan Lim's nailed this song. This is the perfect ending to this super ambitious project. A simple, mass, masterfully executed song about Jesus and his love for us. Because the Alarmer project was about Jesus' love and how to properly apply that love to our human relationships. And if we don't if we do that wrong, the horror that happens, which you know, listen to the reviews, we talked about it nauseum. Um, <laughs> um the lyrics serve as a conclusion to the Alarmer series by putting the protagonist in heaven in Jesus' arms after being a good servant for one, sounding an alarm in the church, the Alarmer album. Two, doing the introspection to understand the double life that we live here on Earth, doppelganger. And three, realizing that everyone on Earth is trapped in the same struggle and the patience and grace we need to give to each other in a sincere way and not in a materialistic, um, blasphemous way. Vox Humana. And fourth, finally accepting that authentic faith in God not the faith created by man, but what God actually taught. And that's the only way out of this mess that we've created. Um, and that's this album, um, Fearful Symmetry. The and the inadequacy of language makes it almost impossible for us to understand God. And because of that, that's how people pick and choose and the prosperity gospel and materialism and all that stuff creeps its way into the church because it is back to the very beginning, the fearful symmetry of God trying to communicate to man and man being created. We're not the creator. So we're not on the same footing as God. So clearly there's going to be misunderstanding. There's going to be missteps because we can't understand the mind of God. And the Bible said, who can understand the mind of Christ? No one can. And so throughout the Obama Chronicles, there's been a thread of the um, the the limitations of language between man and God, which the boys and DA nailed masterfully on, with the next album, um, which we'll get into. But 
I think that this song is a nice bow that just says, here we are. Basically, we're, we, we are in this hellscape that we've created, but simple faith and authentic faith in God can write all this. And that's what the song's about. Um, the protagonist is finally in heaven. He's he's obviously from Shadowcatcher. He's dead now. He's in heaven in the arms of the beautiful one. And that's a beautiful image. Um, the music um, is guitar, like percussion, vocal harmonies, electronic, some electronic pr production. Very simple affair. Um, but couldn't have asked for a better conclusion to Lama Chronicles. So. Actually, it's the perfect song. It's not. It's not even in my top ten favorite songs on the whole Alarm Chronicles. But I can't think of any other song that could have ended it. It's the perfect, and I'm sure Terry wrote it just for that reason because it had to end, and this is the perfect conclusion to it. So yeah, three stars for me. Nice. Um. So I'll give my uh. I. So I'm on a detour for a minute. You were talking about you know, how language is so in inadequate to describe God and stuff. Um, one of my favorite metaphors for this is uh, David Crowder Band. Um, they, on their third album, A Collision, they have an atom on the cover, and they said in a little skit type thing that the reason for this atom is the atom is just a theory of how we think um, neutrons and um, everything move but we know it's wrong likewise worship music or music in general or language is inadequate to praise God and describe God but it's what we have to work with so we just do the best we can yeah yep exactly so this album, back to this album, though, it's a brilliant close to the Chronicles, focusing on the afterlife and all the things surrounding it. Um, my only complaint with this album is at times the band's budget strains under the weight of their ambition. Um, and that's just that's not really their fault. Like they should have been, you know, a huge new wave band. Um, like who cares that they have vaguely Christian lyrics? Well, Vague in the sense that they don't say Jesus every other word, right? Who cares that they're very... I don't think, I don't think like, Jesus is mentioned. I don't think he's mentioned at all. Like, he yeah. and Kings, I don't think Jesus is mentioned at all. So, like, they should have been a huge new wave band that had a huge budget, but they didn't. Um, so their, their budget strained a bit. But there is enough good here to be well worth multiple listens. Um. So lyrics, I give a three. How can you not? These these lyrics, all of them, all of them are so yeah. good. Yeah. Um, the music, I give a one and a half. I feel like it just strains under that weight of their ambition sometimes and doesn't always work for me, sadly. Overall, I give it a two. This is a perfect closer. This goes so well with the rest of the Chronicles. Um, I love it as a standalone album. And even though it's a product of its time, you can still listen to it and say, hey, this is a pretty good product of its time. Um, and it's definitely more open and inviting to like the casual listener than Doppelganger, for instance. Um, yeah. It's one anyone can pick up and kind of get where they're going. So I give this a six and a half out of nine. All right. I'm going to say, I'm just going to do this summarize, summarization really easy. I see this song, this album, 
each song tells a story. All right, obviously, but aside for you, man being aware of the true nature of life, and it sucks. Second song, The Pool, God is the answer, let me get baptized. Three, Sleep Silent Child, Child Dead, Christ is the Faith, Everything Sucks, Let Me, Next Song, Neverland Ballroom, Let Me, So I'm Suffering, Let Me Get Into Pleasure and Hedonism, Child Live My Flesh, That Leads to More Death and Destruction, Song Five, Strong Points, Weak Points, That Christ is the Faith is Now Resolved, You Try the Flesh, But You Realize Only Spirituality Can Save You, Real Connection with God, I'm Secure My Faith Now. Six song instruction through film. Now the world tries to feed you their consumeristic version of faith or some lesser form of authentic faith. Um, song seven, Moonlight on the Frosted Hill. You reject that that faith because you realize resting in love of Christ is the only thing to give you salvation. Eight song, Sudden Heaven. You feel renewed by the spirit because you're content with life because you know you're in God's will because you rejected that false faith. Song nine. Shadow Catcher, you lived your life of faith because you're so secure, you know, authentic faith with Christ, and now you shed off the metal, mortal coil, you're dead. Song 10, the beautiful one, your home finally safe, secure in the everlasting arms, everlasting arms of Christ. That's the sound, and that's how I see it. And um, I'm with you lyrically three, I think, um, musically hot, um, stanza over time is two, and then overall, it's Probably like a two and a half. So I give this like a seven and a half. Because Neverland Ball, the room, and um, Seven Heaven kind of pull it down a little bit, but still seven and a half. See, I really like Neverland Ballroom just for its ridiculousness, but either way. All right. So Chronicles overall. Um, I think it's interesting that the Chronicles are one set because I feel like they do this album better on their next album. Um, they, do. they do. With all that said, though, I think if I was going to rank the Chronicles, um, this may sadly be near the bottom. I, I don't want it to be. I like it. But um, the the best Chronicles hands down is Vox Humanity. I was looking through it. It's my highest rated. The more I listen to it, those songs are just good songs. Um, they are. My second favorite is Doppelganger. Um, I just, that is just a deep, hard listen. Um, my third favorite, it's a toss up between this and Alarma. Um, I would probably say this one's my third favorite. And then the one I would listen to the least is Alarma. Um, nothing against oh. that album, just of the Chronicles themselves. We were almost perfect, man. Because number one for me, Vatsimana, Ivis is the best. Doppelganger is number two for me, because um, it's so weird. Um, and then three is Alarma. And then this is my least favorite. And then again, I don't hate it. Seven and a half, you know, it's just, they're all great. But this is, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. Maybe because it's just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just, I don't know. <laughs> but this is my last one. And I love every song on it. So we almost had it. We always had it perfect, Sam. You had to mess it up. Almost. <laughs> I was I was flipping a coin, but I think at the end of the day, this album, because it was the first of like the Chronicles, I really got drawn into by the title and, and um, yeah. 
picture alone, <laughs> it just it does stick with me a little bit. And I think uh, walls of doubt pushes alarma over. Um, there's no walls of doubt on this song. That's such an amazing song. Like, there's no like tear jerker on this album because on the all the rest of the albums there are. And... See, to me, like Sleep Silent Child is a tear jerker. <laughs> like that just. Yeah. It doesn't for make it for me. I mean, I, again, I gave it four stars. It's not terrible, but it's not um, Walls of Doubt at all. <laughs> See, and I, as you remember, I, Walls of Doubt didn't hit me the same way it hit you guys. So, I mean, because we're all different. Yeah, and absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, guys, thank you so much for listening to us. We've been having a blast doing this. Uh, let us know your thoughts on this album, The Chronicles um you know what are you most excited to like ne- next time we get to finally get into uh terry's solo work so you know do you uh of his various projects what's your favorite terry project is it his solo work daniel amos is it maybe well, even the swirling eddies or uh, the rapsers um how do you what are your choose um feelings about dance stop i mean <laughs> just anything let us know <laughs> Once again, my name is Samuel. And I'm Aaron. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. This has been a Brothers King Media production. Mm-hmm.